when we go to Mars, we're going to need to build things, roads, buildings, landing pads, things like that. And obviously, you don't want to bring all of the raw materials from Earth. You want to make some of that stuff on site. And so what do you got to work with, right? You've got the regolith, and you've got the atmosphere and energy coming from the sun. And with those, hopefully, you can craft those raw materials into something that is solid that you can live inside and depend on. Because Martians are going to be spending a lot of time underground. So how do you build these kinds of structures? I mean, obviously, there's there are various binding agents that we have here on Earth for concrete and things like that. But even that's going to be tricky on Mars. So a researcher named Dr. Congri Jin at the University of Nebraska is working on growing various life forms within Martian regolith to solidify it into various shapes you know, blocks and bricks and roads and various things that you might want to do using a bioreactor. It's a really cool idea and would allow you to really live off the land. And so we have an interesting conversation about what's going on to actually form these living bricks. And they really are living. Like even after you place them, you could come back and, and repair them. It's a really cool idea. All right, let's get into the interview. So is this your first Nyack grant that you've applied for? Yes. What, what what led you to this, to actually going and applying to uh, to see if you could get this funding? Um, in the past few years, uh, I was working on self-healing concrete. So when concrete generates cracks, uh, we use bacteria or fungi to wow. uh, use induce the biominerals to heal the cracks. And then we um, think about other possibilities like self-growing materials. So when we have soil particles or aggregates, we want to use uh, fungi or bacteria to make them into a cohesive body. Um, this will be very important if um, there is no uh, human labor yeah. Uh, yeah, especially on Mars, so they can do this automatically. So let's let's talk about the project then. They, like, what are you proposing as as a as an idea? Okay, we propose that um, instead of shaping materials from Earth to Mars, we can directly use in situ uh, materials. Uh, for example, the soil and the um, the atmosphere on Mars, the water on Mars, then we can uh, just bring some bacteria or fungal spores and and they will uh, build uh, the bricks for us. Well, let's, let's break those up into the sort of two categories. So like, how do you make bacteria build you something that you want? Um, I think it's a natural process for them. Uh, they will just work as a catalyst to promote the um, calcium carbonate formation. And those calcium carbonate crystals will uh, work as a glue, bind those soil particles together. So like, like limestone, like you're growing limestone to a shape that you want. Yes, yes. And so how do you... How do you encourage it to to make the shape that you want? Do you use some kind of mold, or what's the best way to yeah. approach that? Yeah, you need to put the uh, sand particles into a mold you want, and then the uh, bacteria and the fungi will grow them into the shape uh, of the mold. Oh, I see. So, so you like 
say you want to build a wall, you you mm-hmm. f- you make a mold, you fill the wall with sand, mm-hmm. and then the bacteria and the fungus are going to move through that shape and actually solidify. But you, uh, but I'm assuming you have some food for them that you're mixing yeah. in with the sand. How does so? What is that? Um. So the food, uh, we uh, because uh, we want to use in situ materials on Mars. So we uh, use cyanobacteria, which can utilize the uh, CO2 and the nitrogen as the nutrient for them. And they will also generate organic carbon to uh, for the fungi. So both of them will have food. And with the food, they can uh, promote the uh, limestone crystals, which make a the sand particles into a cohesive body. So, so you're using both cyanobacteria and fungus at the same time in the same yeah. right, and they don't compete with one another. Yeah, we need to find those strains that they can get along with each other. They it's called the mutualistic co-culturing. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, some of them can enhance the living of uh, the partner. And and I guess, I mean, if you've got two different kinds of life, what does each one do to enhance the structure of the, of the concrete? Like why, why do you need bacteria and why do you need fungus? Yeah, we need fungus because they, uh, due to, we, we actually use filamentous fungi because of the filamentous structure, they can promote uh, large amounts of calcium carbonate uh, crystals. So we need fungi. Um, but we also need cyanobacteria because cyanobacteria can do photosynthesis. They can capture the CO2 and the generate organic carbon uh, for, the, for the fungi. So let's imagine you're on, the, on Mars and you've brought whatever is the minimum amount of material that you need to get this process started. What will you have brought from Earth to, to get set up to build your living concrete? Yeah, we need to bring uh, spores of uh, cyanobacteria and the fungi. Uh, but right now, they cannot directly grow in the environment of Mars because of the low pressure and the, um, uh, the radiation and everything. So we also need to bring a photobioreactor. Uh, so basically, they need to grow everything inside the um, bioreactor. So you're so you're growing the you're growing the the life in the bioreactor, and then you're putting it into the into the the regolith, or or are you actually having to like grow the shapes inside a bioreactor? Yeah, we need to grow the shapes inside the bioreactor right now. Right, right. And so, like, I'm assuming a bioreactor that can hold a wall or a, I guess, a brick is going to be pretty, pretty big. Yeah, we need to uh, make bricks and then assemble the bricks into the wall. Ah, uh, I see. Okay, okay. And so then let's talk about speed. So, like, let's. So you've gone to Mars. You set up the bioreactor. Maybe it's big enough to build you one brick, or maybe you've got a few of them going. You could build a few bricks. How long does this process take when you when you start it up? Yeah, it really depends on the uh, the nutrient, the temperature, the pressure. Um, so we are still 
studying right. this process. We want to optimize the process, optimize the factors that influence the process so that they can do this much faster. And but you don't need to bring any of the nutrients from Earth. You can you can pull like everything that's needed to feed the fungus and the cyanobacteria is available on Mars. Yes, exactly. Assuming you can get access to water. Yeah, they do have water on Mars uh, from the uh, melted ice on Mars. Right. So, so yeah. like landing at the North Pole or the South Pole is probably the best best way to approach this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then how, like, how do your ideas of, like, self repairing concrete and stuff? How, how do you think, like, that's got to have a role to play as well in this? Do you think there's a point where, where these structures can heal themselves? Oh, yeah, you mean the um, self growing bricks? Uh, yeah, if you don't kill the bacteria or fungi, they can, you know, always generate those limestone crystals. So later when the structure uh, generates cracks, they can heal the cracks automatically. Um, so this material is self-growing and self-healing, uh, basically self-repair. Um, so they have some, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of um, features that we don't have uh, from the, um, the materials on Earth. And is that because like the bacteria and the fungus just goes into like a, a dormant state when it's not getting any food? Like, like I know that there are experiments that have taken cyanobacteria and various kinds of fungus and they've put them on the International Space Station outside and they can handle the temperatures and the low pressure and the radiation of space. And then you bring them back to Earth and then they just, they get going again. And so even the worst place that we know of cyanobacteria, it doesn't kill it. And so... And so you could build your brick, but in fact, you've got all of the life still inside the brick. And mm -hmm. then, and then if there's a crack or whatever, you just pull the brick out, put it back in the bioreactor, fix it. Yeah. And it's great that when the uh, condition is not favorable, they don't die. They just form spores. And later when the condition becomes better, when they have water and nutrient, they can be um, active again. Um, so that that's very interesting. And I mean, it's a pretty exciting technology for going to a place like Mars, where you really want to be able to to live off the land, but you are still having to bring this environment, this bioreactor to replicate what it would be like here on Earth. This technology must work really well here on Earth, where you don't need the bioreactor, right? Yeah. Um, it would be easier for, for us to do this on Earth, um, especially under um, some harsh conditions, like in some places if we don't have, we need to build a shelter or, uh, you know, after the disaster or something, uh, this technology can do this uh, automatically. And, yeah. I mean, I'm sort of imagining something where you would like have a form or whatever and you would just pour sand into it. And then you would feed it the you would mix in the 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 spores and keep the food coming into it. But I guess it can it can harvest food and then over time it will solidify. How how does the the strength of the concrete that you make compare to other building materials? Oh yeah. Um yeah, this is something we still we are still studying. 
we want to have very strong uh, bricks, uh, just like the masonry units we are using right now on Earth. Um, so that shouldn't be a problem because the um, the crystals they generated are um, calcium carbonate, uh, which is very competitive with the uh, very compatible with the soil particles. Um, and in the meantime, the bacteria and fungi also generate biopolymers, which can enhance the uh, adhesion between the those crystals. So um, I think they will be um, like strong enough to make uh, to make hepatite of it. Yeah. Now, um, you know, what is the objective? Like with your NIAC grant, you you now you're in the, the in that initial stage where you're just exploring. And what are, you know, a lot of the questions that I'm asking you, you don't know the answers yet, because that's the whole point of the grant. Um, so what are you hoping in the end that you will have learned as you go through the process of actually doing the work? Um, yes, this is a phase one grant. So basically, we, we are still exploring this idea to see if it works. I think the first step is to find the appropriate fungal strain and the bacterial strain, which can live together and also, uh, you know, uh, generate those biocrystals and the biopolymers. Um, we need to kind of collect, do a screening of a wide range of screens to find the most appropriate ones. And then we need to figure out the factors uh, influencing the process. And we want to optimize the factors to find what's the best temperature, what's the best pressure, so that we can do this a lot faster. Um, we, we also want to build a uh, laboratory scale bioreactor uh, to actually grow the bricks inside the reactor to see uh, how long it takes. And also we want to test the, the final bricks to see if it's strong enough. While you're working on this, there are people who are hoping that eventually they can send a million people to Mars and build giant cities and and people can live on, on Mars. And space is hard and Mars is really nasty. Um, what, I guess, as you think about it as a materials scientist, we think about rocks and you think about uh, various construction materials, what are parts of this future of human space exploration that that I think people are underestimating? What do you think is going to be harder than we anticipate to live in space? Mm. That's a good question. Mm. I think... Mm, it's still the kind of the distance we are really far from Mars. Um, so I think the, I mean, mm, we need to first test maybe moon, which is closer to ours, right? That would be easier. Um, but Mars has some unique uh, environment. Um, so... <laughs> I need to think about this. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, like, I think when I talk to people who who work, who think about this stuff very deeply, right? Like, we've all be, been watching too much science fiction. And mm -hmm. people are hopping in their spaceship, and they're taking their warp drive, and they're 
beaming down to the planet and they have their fusion drive and things are easy. But space is actually really hard and every part of it is not conducive for life. And everything that we do here under Earth gravity with materials that are around us, we just take this stuff for granted. And yet none of that stuff will be available to us when we're in space and working in things in zero gravity, working things on the moon. Um, So so it'd be interesting to see sort of, I guess you haven't gotten to a point where you're looking at something going, oh, I just can't imagine an astronaut trying to pile these bricks up out on the surface of the moon one by one. Anyway, that's a, that's, that's a, um, you know, maybe that's what this report will, will uncover. You'll get to a point where you're like, oh, this sounds really hard. I don't know if anyone <laughs> is going to be able to do it. You mentioned, you know, we, we had been talking about Mars, but, and you mentioned the moon as a way to test. I mean, is there, does all of the technology work essentially the same on the moon as it does on Mars? Do you think? Mm, like the regulars is different, the environment's yeah. slightly different? Yes. Um, the environment, the regulars will be different. So this technology is targeted on for Mars. So because we studied the pressure, the uh, atmosphere composition on Mars, uh, so we think this will be um, fit, fit into the Mars environment. Right, because you don't have that atmosphere to feed the bacteria mm-hmm. and the fungus. You're going to have to extract those gases right yeah. from the rock if you're going to be doing this on the moon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then what, I guess, like place your bets. When do you think this kind of technology will would actually be used? If, let's say you're, you're, you're very successful with this project, you come up with some really good recommendations, what would a future experiment look like to to prove your ideas actually on Mars, do you think? Yeah, if this can really, you mean fly, um, I mean, uh, first they need to kind of um, do some experiments uh, to see if the biomineralization process really work under the, uh, the gravity condition on Mars. Um, even inside the bioreactor. Um, I mean, I think about like the MOXIE experiment on Perseverance, right? It has a it has a as an experiment on the Perseverance rover that is making oxygen on Mars, and the only purpose is to test to see whether we can follow that process to pull in carbon dioxide, run through the process to actually extract usable oxygen. I think it's. You know, it makes enough for an atmosphere every for an, for one astronaut every couple of days. Like it's not fast. So so I wonder, like, if you were to try to prototype this idea on Mars, what would that experiment look like? Mm. It would be kind of um, with a bioreactor, which can extract the. Um, components from the atmosphere, uh, which can uh, get water. And uh, using the bioreactor, we can adjust the pressure, the temperature, the illumination and everything. And we uh, use the selected uh, bacteria and fungal strains inside the reactor and the mold and the the, uh, regular particles. 
um, to see if they can if they can work. So I'm kind expected. of imagining like maybe like a like a, a spacecraft that's got like a, a like a small lander, and then inside it's got like a bioreactor, and then a, like a little mold, like maybe it's a NASA logo or something, and then it scoops up some regolith with a shovel, dumps it into a mold, feeds in the various materials, builds the little shape, and then plops it on the surface of Mars, and then builds another one until it until it runs out of water on board or something. Would that be the limiting factor, do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe rolls across the surface of Mars, dropping tiny little NASA logos as it as it goes. Or, you know, something else. Whatever would be a good shape. <laughs> what would be a good first test shape, do you think? What would you like to what would you like to see as a as the first thing that's constructed using this technique on Mars? <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? I don't well, that's why I said the NASA logo, but I'm sure there's something there's something better. I don't know. Like like maybe yeah, Pokemons know. or something. I don't know. But <laughs> but you'd want something that's the same, you know, it's the same shape. Little spheres, I guess, or little squares is probably the safe bet. Um well it's fascinating <laughs> of idea. When when are you expecting to have completed your first level of research? Oh, this growing is only for nine months, I think. So within nine months, we need to uh, find the strains and build the bioreactor and test the bricks yep. to see if it works. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so put a lot of thought into what shape you're going to make. I think this is important. So <laughs> so when you think yeah. about your mold, like think about the shape, make something really fun. Yeah. I think Pokemon is a good idea because <laughs> it can inspire the kids to be interested in space. Um, that would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe it's you know maybe there's a copyright issue, but but I'm sure you can come up with something that's that would be fun, that would be small, mm -hmm. and and would be grown out of out of simulated Martian regolith that would show future. Just imagine this, but bigger and building shaped. That sounds great. All right. Well, Dr. Jin, thank you so much for taking the time to chat thank with me you. today. Good luck with your research. I look forward to the uh, to the results. Thank you so much. You can get even more space news on my weekly email newsletter. I send it out every Friday to more than 60,000 people. I write every word, there are no ads, and it's absolutely free. Subscribe at university.com slash newsletter. You can also subscribe to the Universe Today podcast. There you can find an audio version of all of our news, interviews, and Q&As, as well as exclusive content that we don't publish anywhere else. Subscribe at university.com slash podcast, or search for Universe Today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A huge thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon and helps us stay independent. Thanks to all the interplanetary researchers, the interstellar adventurers, and the galaxy wanderers. And a special thanks to Tim Whalen, Dave Verbioff, Joff Schultz, and Andrew M. Gross who support us at the Master of the Universe level. All your support means the universe to us.